Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day again, magical being, perfect soul, and resident of planet Earth. So great to have you back here today. We have David Lee, and we are talking about life force, sensed energy in breathwork, psychedelia, and chaos magic. This is an epic episode. We are going to cover magic and the power to influence and create our reality, altered states of consciousness, and ways to access them bringing magic into everyday life, exploring breathwork techniques, the importance of learning to still the mind and observe the three types of breath patterns, bliss breathing, the 20 breath sequence, the body as astounding multidimensional technology, uh, and more. And that's not even all of it. So this is an amazing episode. Um, I know you're going to love it. I want to thank you guys who have been supporting the podcast. The best and easiest way is to just leave a review. And this one is from Christy from the Netherlands. And it just says a general overview. Matt Belair, you are helping me help myself with your enthusiasm and great guests. Through a YouTube tangent, I ended up watching your episode with Julia Cannon, and I have been hooked ever since. I find your guests inspiring and have started following them also. It is your path to lead and inspire, and it is working big time. Thank you so much, and keep up the amazing stuff you do. What a brother. Don't know you but love you love and hugs from the netherlands uh thank you so much for that beautiful review i appreciate you i love you too um i want to thank you guys supporting me on patreon as well uh nina howard a friend of mine she's over at the biodome projects also friends with david lombear senapass she is an incredible artist thank you so much supporting me and a very very special shout out shout out to jeremy carbone he has been helping me create these little youtube clips of just sound bites from episodes the aha moments so when you guys get those aha moments um time code them let us know what you think is good and we can share one to three minute videos to encourage people to listen to the whole podcast and dive even deeper so thank you from the bottom of my heart jeremy for just giving me your time and energy to help me create these things because i only have so much time in the day um and it's a massive massive help thank you so much brother um want to thank my podcast sponsor perium if you use bit.ly forward slash activate health you can get a $50 gift card, get yourself some CBD oil. They have that and the world's best, you know, non-GMO supplements in health, wellness, sport, whatever you need. They've got the best stuff. And obviously Synctuition, I haven't mentioned in a while, they're over on my store, but they're uh, Gamma Wave 3D binaural beat state-of-the-art technology. And if you go to bit.ly forward slash Gamma Waves, um, you're going to get three free tracks to download and test it out and, and use this amazing technology. So just want to thank you guys for coming along, um, you know, being a part of the podcast. I've been traveling a lot lately. There's a lot to update you on up with I need to start doing some per- more personal videos um, and things like that. So a lot in the works over here, trying to juggle it all. Currently studying with David Lombear Senapass, and it's just some mind-blowing, beautiful stuff. Um, ancient knowledge, uh, advanced technology, and 
amazing spiritual tiki teachings. It's like the whole thing. It's it's truly incredible. Um, for those of you guys who want some coaching, just reach out mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and fill out the form because I'm getting more inquiries these days. And if you guys really want to level up or you want to go deeper in consciousness, spirituality, really get centered, grounded and empowered, hit me up. Or if you're part of an organization and you want to learn how to implement these mindfulness uh, techniques, peak performance, things like that, you know, it's not what people think it is. You know, peak performance is very different than what people think it is. Um, so I'm happy to help with that and come to your organization. So just hit me up and let me know. So that's it. I'm going to just leave it there. I just want to thank you. I I love you. I appreciate the crap out of you. Just sending all my love your way. And so before we get into this episode, I'm going to invite you to come into a powerful state of peace and presence. So I want you to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, and take in a deep breath in through your nose, connecting to life force breath, connecting to the present moment, and let out that breath slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the stresses of the day. Taking another deep breath in through your nose and just connecting with that breath and that powerful energy, realizing that you are a creator being in this universe, that you have every right to be here, that you are whole, balanced, perfect, just as you are. And make that commitment to be loving and kind to yourself today and all days to come. And just let that breath out slowly with every limitation, every self-criticism, every self-doubt. And just give yourself space to learn, grow, and appreciate yourself. Taking that last deep breath in through your nose, really just doubling down this commitment to be loving and kind to yourself and realize that you are a creator being with every right to be here on this planet and to have a beautiful life experience. I want you to send out loving, kind, peaceful, powerful energy to everyone you've ever met, all your friends, your family, your co-workers, everybody on the planet. I'm sending you that energy now, all of my love, all of my compassion, support, kindness, energy so that you may remember that you are a perfect being that you are whole that you are loved that you have every right to have an incredible amazing beautiful life experience because it can be challenging so sending you all of my love thank you so much for being here so let's get into today's incredible episode with david lee Hello and welcome to another episode of the master mind body and spirit show I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a magician and writer. He has spent decades researching techniques for undoing our conditioning and changing our realities, including chaos magic, psychedelics, and the alchemy of sensed energy. He is a qualified, connected breathwork coach and a leading light in the chaos magic organization, the Illuminates of Thanateros. He is the author of the groundbreaking new volume, Life Force, Sensed Energy in Breathwork, Psychedelia, and Chaos Magic. Welcome to the show, David Lee. Okay, thank you. How are you doing today? Yes, not bad at all. You? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I looked at your book and I, and I listened to a little bit of your interviews. It's fascinating stuff. And what I like um, in the intro is the unconditioning. What are the techniques that we can do to kind of uncondition our mind? Because when I started my path that was kind of the thing i realized there's something going on i need to unprogram myself and then reprogram myself so um for those who don't know you do you want to just introduce yourself and a little bit about your work and how you got to where you are today oh okay um yeah well i i i'm i suppose you could describe me as um a magician with a science background um or you know um 
it runs right through my life to a large extent the the, the sort of interface between magic and um, weirdness and science and uh, when you know when I was a child I was fascinated by science but I I think I got that fascination from realizing that or for me that it was a kind of a magic that there was one I, I, I have a very vivid recollection of when I first gave up magic as it were I was about four years old and I was told that magic wasn't real and it had some kind of immense effect on me I can't remember the emotion I can just vividly remember the scene but I do know that after that I got really interested in science and that was my whole track through school but um, then in my late teens I, uh, I, I was growing up in the late 60s early 70s so um, of course I tried LSD and that gave me a number of experiences which were decidedly magical, um, particularly of an energy magic type, which obviously we'll come on to later. That's where the, um, the subtitle of the book refers to. Um, but um, really, you know, I had, I had a couple of years of doing all that sort of living that crazy lifestyle and stuff and then uh, went to university and got a science degree. And only after that did I sort of try to fuse the two together, really. It was not instead of just one lifestyle flipping over into another. It was a case of, okay, where can I go with this? I started meditating and then I, I bumped into um, the chaos magic current in the late 70s. I was a postgraduate student at Leeds University in the north of England at the time. Um, doing some scientific research and at the same time I met a bunch of people who were into magic and I came across this this book by Peter Carroll called Lieber Null which was the first sort of totally chaos magic book there were books before that that had some of those elements in there but that was the book that really started it all and I thought like, here's a model of magic that I can be with as someone who has gone through the whole process of scientific scientific skepticism and here's something that I can work with that doesn't require that you believe in some you know passed on tradition thousands of years old someone's going to illuminate you into or that you believe that um you know that there are spirits floating around everywhere or whatever not that that's necessarily a wrong belief but it's usually exclusive it's usually the other side it's usually people are either either have some sort of religious and mystical beliefs or they're into science whereas i wanted to fuse the two together and chaos magic is the skeptic's way really or it was at that point that's how it appeared to me it was um, a scheme of approaching magic from the point of view of someone who's been brought up in a culture which is massively skeptical of magic so that was really where you know that was my sort of maturing point at some point in my mid-20s the whole thing started to coalesce and so i started to think of myself as a chaos magician wow interesting I, well i like how you have the science background because that always helps for me i was i was always into the mystical type of stuff so with with your research into the science and trying to marry the two like what is chaos magic about what is the book about um you know what have you what have you learned what are some of the techniques okay well um the original approach of chaos magic was basically uh, very strongly by have you heard of a guy called robert anton wilson yes uh, American writer, Californian writer who was absolutely massive through the 70s, 80s, died about 10 years ago. Um, he uh, 
he came up, he really originated the idea that became the core idea in Chaos Magic, although he didn't invent the idea of Chaos Magic. The, he called it multi-model agnosticism. In other words, whatever situation you're in, you can come up with a model for it, which might be a religious model, a scientific model, a psychological model, blah, blah, whatever. But it's not the ultimate truth. And that you can only... A, you can only be sort of honest with yourself if you admit everything, but and B, that you're free to switch between different, different truth criteria. You're free to switch between a scientific model, uh, like the mainstream, or you, you could use a psychological model, which is kind of a variant of the scientific one with, with a bit more space in it, or you can switch straight to a magical model. And all of those three kinds of approaches to decoding reality can be kept in the same the same mind so this is this is wilson's big you know big idea multi-model agnosticism agnosticism in the sense of i don't i, I can't make an absolute statement about what's happening uh, um multi-model in the sense that there are all sorts of models for dealing with whatever you're in and each of them could be very useful but just use the one that's useful don't get stuck with it as a permanent belief system so um that's that was the starting point, really, I think, for Chaos Magic, the most important insight in P Peter Carroll's first book, Lieber Null, back in 1978, was that magic is dependent on belief. That what we believe about what we're experiencing affects what's going on. Yeah, this has been diluted into that sort of new age mush about, you know, you create your own reality man and something. But this is kind of a, it's, it's similar but a bit more rigorous it's saying well how do we do this and so the, the first point is that you need you need to be able to shift your belief system first shift your big belief system so that okay instead of just thinking right i'm a diehard materialist or atheist or whatever you can think okay today i'm a magician or for the next hour i'm a magician that's the first shift and then you get in shifts within that shift that say okay what kind of magician what kind of style do i want to use here am i working with energy am i working with a particular tradition um am i you know am i working with spirits all that kind of stuff various other beliefs that you you get used to having these nested beliefs that end up in you doing some action so an action that might be described as a ritual, it might be really elaborate, you might put loads of wonderful robes on and burn loads of incense and have a, you know, a room that's beautifully decked out with the right coloured candles and lights and everything and tapestries and all that stuff. Or it may be as simple as, one of the simplest rituals I ever attended was a friend of mine uh, got us all to just step over a line drawn on the floor. You had to do loads of mental preparation beforehand, but that was the ritual. All you did was step over this line. Of course, that whole business about there being a line you can or cannot step over is deeply embedded in, in popular mythology anyway. We talk about that's a line I will not cross and so forth. And, you know, that, so that, that can, be, it can be made into a powerful metaphor for leaving one state of being, uh, for leaving one state of existence, one state of your everyday life, and then moving into another where things are different. So magic is all about change. It's all about having the ability, the capacity, the power, if you like, to change from one set of conditions to another. But all of that stuff is powered by um, a different element, and that's what Peter Carroll called gnosis, the old Greek word gnosis, which is usually translated in the older, you know, in the older documents as something like divine knowledge or divine intuitive knowledge, something like that. He, he meant it purely as like an altered state of consciousness, an ASC, which can be anything from uh, mild disorientation caused by spinning on your own axis or something, um, through to hours of dancing, through to sex, through to psychoactive drugs, through to 
prolonged ritual preparation, all of these things cause a change in your state of consciousness. So you need this, you need to be kind of uncoupled from your normal worldview. You need to sort of be able to drop away the beliefs that say, I'm not a magician, magic's impossible, I'm just an ordinary blah, blah, blah. Um, you need to be able to drop all that away and go into a special space, which you might think of as your temple or your inner temple, and there you arrange things so that you create a little micro-universe which is better than the one you were previously in, and you, you sort of make that happen by an act of will and let go of it and come back to your ordinary life and that the idea is that should ripple through your ordinary life and cause the changes you need to occur so you've got two things going on there you've got this ability to shift between one set of beliefs and another vitally vitally centrally important to magic and the kind of lube that makes all that happen is the auto state of consciousness amazing i love all that um it's so it's so simple because you know what you're speaking about is being able to shift your perspective are you um, are you hearing me okay yes you kind of okay, cut out sorry, I thought you could... yeah it's it, the internet's been a little bit unstable unfortunately but I'm, mm. I'm getting i'm getting what you're saying sometimes it just gets a little robotic um but I, you can hear me right okay good oh okay there was a bit of a breakup with yeah there was a bit of a breakup in your voice just then but i can mainly hear what you're saying yeah and actually i'm just remembering now every single time i've had a guest on from the uk you're my third one there's always a little bit of delay in the connection for some reason i don't know what it is if it's going yeah. farther or something but it's, it's happened before um <laughs> i just remembering that right now um i had danny nemu on he was really interesting and uh, a couple other guys but oh yeah yeah you know his work good guy yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got one of his books, and I've met him a few times. Yeah, he's a very, very likable guy. Nice. Yeah, so what I like, the main point of what I really like about what you're saying is you're talking about... Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably some... <laughs> there's, there's like this gap. I had it last time. It's like a, it's like a five-second gap. So, yeah. Um, what it's saying is that I really, I really like how what you're talking about is shifting the perspective, having the ability to shift your perspective and change your reality. And a lot of the time you actually need to change the physical body. Um, so in neuro-linguistic programming, they say the first thing to shift your internal state is just change your body. You could jump up and down, you could do jumping jacks, you could you know, do like a little ceremony, but whatever you wanna do. But the idea is you're, you're moving the physical body first and you're kind of like commanding your own reality where on the other side is you kind of get mechanical. You get a, a little bit into a rut and everything stays the same. And so you become more rigid and it's a little bit more difficult to affect change. Um, so maybe you can go into that a little bit deeper on maybe some processes that people can do to start. Sure, yeah. Because the main fundamental thing is you can change your reality. You know, you like mm -hmm. magic or I, I heard God referenced in a different way. It's like every, everybody here is God, meaning you have the power to create and shift your reality. And I was like, that's true. And it only mm -hmm. happens to the individual. So whether you want to call it magic, yeah, religion, yeah. spirituality, whatever, you have 100% ability to change and affect your reality. And that's a huge thing. 
Well, I mean, in a certain sense, I mean, some people would say um, that some magicians would say that we're doing magic all the time, that we're constantly creating this reality, except that in most cases, it's a boring, tragic and restrictive one. Um, you know, whereas you can actually make it more alive, less restricted and um, more ideal than tragic. You know, it's, it's possible to transform all of these things. But to go to your main point there about physical techniques, yes. I mean, if you look at just through all the traditions from shamanic dancing and ecstatic movements and shamanism through to the very sophisticated and scientific stuff in yoga about different bodily postures you've got you know that's yeah people have recognized this for a long long time i think one of the basic wisdoms has been is learning to sit still and to to notice the current of your breath. This is obviously at the beginning of basic meditation. Anything from, you know, if you need to meditate to calm down, if you need to meditate because you're, you know, you're following basically eight limbs of yoga kind of procedure. But yeah, just learn to sit down, sit still. It doesn't have to be in a fancy lotus posture or anything. It can just be in your office chair. But learn to sit still and to be aware of the whole of your body, and then learn to, once you've been able to do that, if you can do that for 15, 20 minutes without getting up and switching your phone on or sort of like reading a book or, you know, whatever, um, then that's a good start. And then if you, once you can do that 15 or 20 minutes, start thinking about, start paying, not so much thinking about, paying attention to the current of your breath. So just notice it you know, going in and coming out. Notice that there are any sort of catches, catches in it, such as you know, maybe we think of very sort of your breath alters just learning to appreciate how the energy of breath flows through you from moment to moment all the time once you've got those two you he's still there david Okay, we're back. Yeah, I dropped out. I've my video off and on because your, your face disappeared and mine appeared. Yeah, you have a break in it there. One sec. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop my video too. Pardon? I'm gonna stop my video too. There we go. Hopefully this I way. can't hear you now, it's badly broken up. I uh, I just paused my video, so hopefully that will that will help. Okay. Can you hear me? Sure. Cool. So the where you dropped off last, and it kind of went robotic. So hopefully the internet will cooperate with us. Um, you were talking about s the basic importance of just connecting with your breath and just. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we just go ahead with with just yeah. audio. Yeah. 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 So we'll just go with the audio. experiencing the rhythm of your breath um, that so that gets you this gets you very much in your body and very much in your body in present time with the flow of energy that's caused by your breath 
Um, and then I was, I was picking up on something you said about uh, if you feel stuck in a particular state. Very good thing, yeah. My particular version of that that I like, something that somebody taught me years ago, which is a kind of controlled shaking. And this is, this is a really good exercise if you live in the, the cold northern parts of the world, no doubt cold southern ones as well. Um, and uh, basically, because it, it, it gets you warm as well as produces an altered state and loosens you up, you just stand there and shake all of your muscles, basically. You start off with just shaking your hands a little bit and move that up so that you're wriggling your shoulders and you start shaking your, your torso about and you know your hips and your legs and it's like dancing in one place you don't necessarily have to move your feet very much just get all of your muscles trembling and shaking and don't don't whip your neck about that's the one one you don't because that that can produce unpleasant effects but generally speaking you know just get all of the muscles going in your body and sort of shaking and breathing deeper and breathing through the mouth and this will produce this will produce a kind of like a very hot, clear kind of state, um, sort of mentally clear, uh, very focused, and it would say it will warm you up, generally speaking. So that, that's a nice one. That's a nice break state exercise. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I love all those. Um, okay, so we're talking about breath, and you, and you go into your book a lot about breath, and you're a breath coach. And this is coming up a lot in yoga. It's coming a lot, you know, all over the place. Do you want to explore a little bit about breath, uh, psychedelia, or mm -hmm. which way do you want to go with it? Okay. Well, okay. I'll tell the story of the book to some extent. I, mean, I don't know if you've got a copy of it. This, this book, Life Force, Sensed Energy in Breathwork, Psychedelia, and Chaos Magic. I have to remind myself of the title there, um, that, that long second bit. Um, basically, what got me into the idea of energy in magic, magical energy, was my psychedelic experiences in my late teens. Um, what enabled me to make some personal breakthroughs was a particular form of breathwork called connected breathwork, which is you know, it's a technique that's shared by rebirthing breathwork and holotropic breathwork, which you may have heard of. Um, and the chaos magic bit is that once I'd started writing a book about breathwork, I realized that I would have to, well, I started off about six years ago, deciding to write a book that would have a look at all the different styles, a number of different styles of breathwork. No, I can't say all because they're an infinite number, I suppose, but certainly many of the different styles of breathwork and comparing them and trying to understand how they, what technology this was, what technologies these were. And so, I practiced a whole range of breath styles myself, and there used to be an online magical college. Oh, it still exists actually, it's very different now, called arcanoriumcollege.com. And um, this, uh, I did a course, a couple of courses there that involved, uh, involved breath work. And so I also had students researching along with me who weren't credited in the book. Um, basically, trying out a number of different breath work practices and comparing them. But the more I thought about the book I was, I started writing this book and got a good deal of it together. And then I realized that I wasn't saying anything about the experience of energy, which is really quite central to the connected breath work and some other forms of breath work as well, a sense of, of energy flowing through you. And um, I thought, well, I've got to address that as well. So I had to start talking about things like uh, Qigong, you know, sort of um, Taoist, uh, Chinese Taoist 
um, alchemy, energy alchemy, that we get through Qigong and so forth, and talk about some of the experiments with group energy that had been done in the chaos magic world that I'm in. So the book became a much bigger project. And of course, I also had to honour my initial introduction to magical energy, which was through psychedelics. So those are the, you know, the kind of three three focuses around the book. But the main chunk of the book is really about breathwork techniques. And um, I, I hadn't really done a great deal of breathwork until um, about 25, well, a bit more now, early 90s. I was introduced to it at a seminar. Lionel Snell, in fact, the author, was running a workshop on breathwork uh, in, uh, at a Chaos Magic seminar in Austria. And I went along to this and I had an amazing experience, basically. I was just doing this particular style of breathing for 20 minutes. And I went through an extraordinary cycle of emotions, which there was a big peak of anger, which then dispersed and left, left me thinking, wow, to get that much change in what's going on inside me emotionally with just this simple breathing technique, that's amazing. I've got to learn more about this. So um, I came back to England and I found a local... Uh, rebirthing practitioner and went along to him for a session every couple of weeks for a few months and got some really good results um, well the results I was getting were this was a sort of it's a very specific kind of breath work that does produce a heightened sense of energy but it also helps resolve stuck emotional states and I was having a difficult year that year and so it was very very helpful all that and I was so impressed by all of this, I decided I needed to study it professionally. So I got, the first opportunity I got, I got onto a professional training course in Vivation, which is a, another brand name in that area of breathwork. It, just, it, it developed out of reversing breathwork, and it's more or less the same. Um, so I got qualified in that in 1993. Um, I was taught to do one-to-one -one sessions so that people can engage in their own inner emotional healing and energy adjustment. But I then, I was invited to do it for groups. And so I started to, I formulated my way of coaching slightly differently. I changed my way of coaching to suit it for group sessions. And I was getting far more energy experiences. Once people are in a group, they start noticing these energy flows and so forth. Um, so that, um, that was already tilting over into that area. At about the same time, around the turn of the millennium, um, some chaos magicians I was working with came up with this structure of made of human beings, a ritual structure where everybody's you know, um, touching or not touching a particular kind of geometry called a chaotron. And loads more, much simpler geometries have since been explored, which work just as well. This one was very, very complicated at the beginning, but it produced impressive effects, which is how the thing caught on amongst that group of people. Basically, you get, yes, you get some just very unusual experiences of what you might call um, magical energy. Um, and breath is very centre in the same rhythm, then you will get group effects occurring. Obviously, there's the NLP type description of this, which of course is that everybody is, is coming into resonance with each other, you know, by, because they all, they all look and feel, you can even hear each other's breath and so forth. So you're all, you're all getting into a nice, a nice resonance with each other. But there does seem to be something a bit more, um, 
a bit more exotic happening as well on the actual level of energy there. Um, okay, well, I'll, I've just run off into all sorts of ideas <laughs> there. I'll just take a pause there and see what comes up next. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any more questions to, to ask on that? Yeah, I, I love all that. And I've ex explored uh, breathwork myself in an interesting I'm not sure if you can hear me. I sound like a robot on my end. Yeah. No, I, I, you sound, I can sound like you fine at the moment. Oh, yeah. perfect. Cool. Having all kinds of maybe mercury retrograde glitches. I don't know what's going on. I thought it was over. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the power of breathwork is huge, and a lot of people are exploring it. Wim Hof is popularizing it a mm. lot, and you get results. I've experienced rebirthing as well, very powerful. Um, do you want to share mm. some of the actual techniques? So we know that sure. yeah, maybe you, you could – because you've touched on it a little bit, but some of the, the benefits of doing it, and then maybe um, one or two of your favorite techniques that somebody listening can can give it a try and see what they get because – the thing that I love about breath work is very tangible. You feel it, you know, and, and you experience it and it can be a very powerful tool. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the, the technique that my own sort of career in breath work is built on is this connected breath work technique. So I'll talk about that first. It is kind of a specialized technique. It's very different. When you, when you first start doing any kind of meditation training or you pick up some book of basic magical training and you, you get the kind of advice that I was giving out earlier about learning to sit still and pay attention to the current of your breath. Usually you get instructions with the, the breathing stuff to lengthen your breath, to lengthen the hold. That's, you know, once you've breathed in, hold the breath a little and then breathe out and then uh, pause before breathing in again. So lengthen the hold and pause. Um, so you end up with a very slow, long breath. This is great for calming, calming you down and getting into a nice meditational state. However, the connected breath work kind of goes in the opposite direction. You eliminate all holds and pauses so that you breathe continuously. So that as soon as you've stopped breathing in you start breathing out as soon as you finish the exhale you start the next inhale so you're always on a, a sort of like a sine wave curve instead of this small staccato stop and start curve of normal pranayama so for a start it's different what this does and also um, you breathe a little faster and fuller than feels at least for the beginning of the session um, what this does, this slightly accelerated continuous breathing, is after anything between two and ten minutes, it will produce an altered state of consciousness, which at first you might get a feeling of being slightly, it's a bit like being drunk for a few seconds, sort of a swoony kind of feeling. Um, you might get some tingling in your fingers, all that passes, and then what you get is a state where you're, Basically, your inner sensations, your sensations from inside your body, your feelings are at a greater volume than your thoughts. So you're not trying to banish thoughts. As you know, that's pointless. You can't, you can't banish them. They just come back harder if you try. But you can ignore them in some situations. You can ignore the sort of string of babbling thoughts. And when you're doing this kind of breath work, you tend to find that what's going on, what the stuff you're getting from your body is more interesting and more intense than what's coming through your thoughts. So instead of just the usual thoughts about worries and anticipations and all of that and memories, you're actually just vividly in the moment of actually feeling 
um, intense of feelings. I mean, feelings in both senses, feelings in the sense of emotions. It could be an actual emotion, sorrow or joy or laughter, or it could be um, just physical sensation, something that doesn't feel as important, like a weird sort of tension somewhere in your body or an itch in your knee or whatever, like, you know, all of those kind of things. But anyway, whatever it is, pay attention to it. So what you do is you develop this very strong absorption eventually in what's going on from moment to moment. And this tends to break through into bliss, basically. You will, after a while, either go into bliss anyway and without any problem, or otherwise you'll come up, you'll come up, you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself in an emotion which is uncomfortable. It's not one you like. But in, with this type of breath work, instead of avoiding it by just starting thinking again and going and doing something else, you focus on what it feels like and you focus on exactly how it feels in your body and you keep coming back to that again and again. And you learn very rapidly in this how to turn up or turn down the intensity of sensations with how deeply you're breathing. Um, I'll go into the actual technique in a minute. Just um, I wanted to give a bit of background here to to get an idea of how it's generally used and the kind of effects it's likely to have. So either you're you know, likely to go into bliss within about 20 minutes or maybe even sooner, or you'll get into an uncomfortable state and then you'll, you'll have to work through that just by paying attention to it and keeping breathing and paying attention to it. And that might take another 20 minutes or so, a typical sessions about an hour. Um, but, what will happen at the end of it is that you'll usually get a big load of bliss again, you know, and it's usually more intense than if you didn't have that troublesome emotion in the first place. You're showing yourself that each moment in your experience is a potential gateway to bliss through being aware of bodily sensation in real time, of being in your body in real time. That gives you a tremendous ability to experience bliss. Um, the actual technique is, like I said, it's to do with breathing without pause or stop or hold the out breath, and there's no hold at the at the top of the in breath. Uh, instead, you just let the breath go in and out a little bit faster than usual. And the other thing you usually add as a technique um, is breathe through your mouth. Now, this is in direct conflict with what some people say you should be doing pranayama. Um, there are some interpretations of, of pranayama that say it doesn't actually, be, and you don't do it all the time anyway. So, but if you just do it for an hour occasionally, it, causes, it definitely causes no harm at all. And what it produces is it produces more intense sensation of energy, and it also produces more intense emotion. I think the reason for that is because the only time that we normally naturally breathe through our mouths is in physical exertion or heightened emotion. So it probably reminds us of those states. So you're breathing through your mouth, you're connecting all your breaths, that, whoops, that connected waver, and um, relax the out-breath. That's the other piece of advice we normally give. Um, the I'm giving quite a bit of detail about the technique here, and you know, obviously, go please go ahead and try it but i'm not in some ways i'm not that keen on people just going ahead and trying it as a sole test of this because it is it it's if you don't if you don't have somebody to coach you then it's quite possible you'll have an unremarkable and boring session you think ah oh, this stuff does nothing um, you might not have been getting quite to that edge where it gets interesting 
Um, or you might find that it's, you just immediately throw up some unpleasant emotion and you haven't got the experience of the coaching to deal with it. So you just shut it down and go, oh, okay, I can't be doing with this. This just feels unpleasant. It won't come to any harm. There's no, no chance of coming to any harm. But this might mean that people are put off doing breath work. So I'd, I'd caution that. But anyway, I said I would tell you about the technique. So this is a bit more about it. Relax the out-breath. If you're breathing fast and full, I'll show you what fast and full is like for me at the moment with a relaxed out breath. It's something along the lines of. I don't know whether you can see or hear that to get the idea of the rhythm, but it's quite a soft breath, even though it's quite fast and full. If you've got a tensed out breath, it gets much closer to hyperventilation, which sounds much more like this. So you've got this like muscular tension in the mouth and throat when you're breathing out. This produces a very, very rapid altered state of consciousness, but it's not a pleasant one because this is actually associated with panic attacks. People who have panic attacks can actually get a lot of usefulness out of this kind of breath work because it, it, it actually shows the person how they induce the unpleasant altered state of consciousness that is at the core of a breath-based panic attack. A lot of people do this with breath. So once you've learned how you do it, it can really help to unlock that and think, oh, I don't have to do that. Um, but yes, if you start breathing like that, like, that really forceful, fast, fast and deep breath, you will go into, that's technically known as hyperventilation. It generally produces unpleasant states. It's not medically dangerous, despite what some people say, but it's, it certainly produces unpleasant states. So not, not to be recommended. So those are the, basically the three things you're doing. You're breathing through your mouth, you're connecting all your breaths, and you've got a relaxed out breath. The rest of the instruction, I, th I don't think I can fit on here um, without people you know, actually trying it out in real time. It doesn't mean a great deal. But basically, there are there's three different kinds of breaths you use. You can breathe fast and full, like I was just demonstrating, which is always good to start the session, kick things off, get lots of energy feelings circulating. You can do fast and shallow, which calms things down. Or you might spontaneously go into a third breath, which is slow and full, which is bliss breathing. But which, if you're not in a state of bliss, can make things feel less pleasant. So all of these things are very conditional. Well, that's the basic technology. So I hope that was I hope that made sense. Yes, awesome. I I love it. Well, I've I've been exploring breath a lot more uh, the last couple of years, and um, you know I love being walked through different different uh, techniques because a lot of the times that they produce different results and they're very tangible. Um, do you do, if somebody wants to explore this, so do you want to walk me through like maybe like a, like a, a 10 second or a 20 second one that I can just go through. And then if somebody wants to just have a basic practice to explore, they can maybe continue that. Okay. Well, um, the, an exercise that is, I didn't invent this exercise. It's called 20 breaths and that's all it is. 20 breaths. It's been around on, I don't know who invented it. It's been around on the, the breath in the breath work world for least 30 years um, and basically you just take 20 connected breaths in the following pattern so get yourself somewhere you could be lying down or sitting up it doesn't matter standing up even somewhere where you know you, your, your chest is free to move your, your throat's not restricted and through your mouth take four deep breaths a little bit faster a little bit fuller and feel natural you know a little bit 
deeper, a little bit faster than feels natural, and then take a staggeringly deep breath, as deep as you can manage, so that it fills you right to the top, and then let, you know, you can spend some time doing that, and then let that come out slowly. So I'll show you this cycle of five, which is kind of an idea of, don't stick to my pace, this, you, you find your own pace, but this is the relative pace of the five breaths. So something like, four, then fifth. And keep pushing that one out until you've really emptied yourself. So it's the longest breath you can make. And when you've pushed it all out, start the cycle again. Four deep breaths, one super deep breath. Four deep breaths, one super deep breath. And all of them connected, all of them through the mouth. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. And I appreciate that because for me, when I'm either reading a book or, or exploring a guest, I like to have the technique so I can... Uh, apply them and see the result. And again, the thing with breath is it's a very tangible experience and yeah. it goes into the realization that the body is the technology. And, you know, I think that anybody listening to this, you know, I was trying to think in my mind, I was like, okay, people are listening and, you know, why is this tangible? How do we, how do I create that gap? And the biggest thing that's that's creating stress and anxiety and confusion within people that I see and I speak to is they're not connected to their body they don't know how to clear their mind and it's like oh I can't meditate because this this and this and I got too much stuff to do and there's this stress and there's you know this is the way life is and all you actually have to do is learn to either you know quiet your mind through meditation or do breathing techniques and start to connect to your body and get into the body. And that's what yoga does. That's what skateboarding does for me. Yeah. That's what martial arts does. You get into sure. the body and you start to recognize how powerful and incredible and amazing it is. The body, the human body is the technology. And so this yes. is helping you to explore it. And I like uh, what you touched on uh, earlier is, um, you know, you can create, you know, life is magic. It, it really is. You know, you look at flowers and birds and, and you look at, you just pay attention to your surroundings. Look at a three or a five-year-old or a six-year-old go out and play. Life is magic. And some somewhere we make it serious and we get caught in this game of, of mundane and uh, all the other things that go with it. And it becomes bland and boring. And through your own consciousness, you can make life magical each and every day through your perspective. And you're the only one who can do it, right? It, it's your choice. It can be terrible and serious and awful, or it can be fun. You can go out there and you can explore, you know, whether you want to call it magic or awareness or, you know, seeing what, what you're affecting in your reality, because each of us is creating our own reality. Every and, and I think you touched on it a little bit earlier where it's like, you know, we're creating a reality like in microseconds over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, yeah. it's really fascinating. So if you come at it as a perspective from like a rose colored lens, like if you had that rose color, but you can switch out any lens you want. You can explore the day as a magician or you can, you know, you can test your awareness, find out how many circles you can see for the day or, you know, pay attention mm -hmm. to the language of the birds or, you know, really focus in on sound for a day. Just really like tuning your ears and just pretend you're, um, I don't know, 
something like an owl that has super, super sound or whatever. And what, what starts to happen is you connect to different parts of yourself. Um, and the last thing that I'll, I'll say on this rant and, and pass it back and let you comment is I was reading life and teachings of the masters of the far East. I've referenced it all the time on the, on the podcast because it's so amazing. Um, but it talks about the animals and when the masters in the books do something like bilocate or they, or they change the weather or they do something incredible. All of the scientists and the people in the book are like, they're always like, how the heck did you do that? Like what? And they're like, and every single time the masters are like, you can do this too. We're not special. You can learn how to do this. And one of the things that they share is like, you know, your animals have these super senses and they can migrate, you know, and, and do all these incredible things. You know, he's like, you are a superior being to the animal. You can do what they do and, and way more. But right now you're not even at a level of consciousness where you can access, um, you know, what the animal can do, but you're a superior consciousness. You're a superior technology. You're a superior being um, in the way that you're built. And so from that kind of mindset, it's like, okay, cool. What are my, what are my abilities? What are my limits? And that's something for me that I've pursued in my life is wanting to test. What am I capable of? What are humans capable of? And opening up that perspective and possibility to explore that. So I'll let you comment on that. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally got what you're saying. Um, the um, this business about not you know, being stuck in your mind. You started off with that. It's a really good point about people being stuck in the minds. Oh, I can't meditate because I've got all this stuff going on in my head or something. And it's yeah if you actually a little bit of discipline of the body such as sitting meditation or such as martial arts like you've mentioned it's all good stuff swimming skateboarding dancing whatever um singing all of these things all of these ways of disciplining the body produce changes in the state of your consciousness and which are good and there's this rejection of the body that is very unhelpful spiritually i think i mean i heard somebody not so long ago refer use the term meat suit for the body someone who you know is highly spiritual kind of person um i think probably coming from a buddhist tradition um and i thought wow that is a really negative way of thinking about the body as if it's just some disposable thing you're going to throw away one day rather than the actual way in which you relate to the entire universe um you know to the entire universal experience i mean all right there's 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 an inner universe where you can track the source of your being right to the core and to you know to the to the one that is at the core of everything but that isn't a state you're in all the time most of the time you're walking around in this body it's not a meat suit it's a multi-dimensional bit of technology like you said um and this has come into our culture through yes largely through the flesh loathing of christianity um but it was then refined into a new and possibly even more dangerous form with the thoughts of rene descartes in the 17th century who said i think therefore i am and created the famous cartesian dualism between um spirit or mind and body and this is like deeply unhelpful it's led science off in a direction which has been productive for technology and absolutely disastrous for scientific true scientific understanding of the universe it's led us off in a, in a direction of ecocide and cruelty to animals and all sorts of other directions based on the idea that all that matters is this 
germ of conscious awareness that I've got and everything else is kind of just this veil of tears or a lot of rubbish that we're moving through. So I think the, the Cartesian duality, well, it's just one of the forms of this basic dualism of mind and body where mind, good, body, bad, basically is what it amounts to, despite what some of its apologists say. That's, that's really the, the, um, that's really the bottom line. And this has had a, massively culturally toxic effect I think and it's so one of the things that magic has come along for and one of the things that the that psychedelics has come along for and one of the things that the revival of interest in an open-ended kind of spirituality has come along for is to one of the things it needs to do is undo this this wretched weighted dualism yeah yeah that's a really good point and I think that culturally especially for women uh, you know, there it's like body shaming, you know, you're supposed to look a certain yeah. way. And it's, that's an interesting concept. I, I haven't had anybody put it on the show exactly like that, but this, you know, this subtle rejection from culture between mind and body, this split and really rethinking it to this, you know, they say the body is the temple. And what about the body is this multidimensional piece of advanced technology that connects you mm -hmm. to the universe? Yeah. That's, that's way more yeah. powerful. And you're upgrading that thought. It's really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, we, and then we will learn to respect our bodies more and really thank the body. And what's happening is people, number one, they're not getting into their technology. It's like you have this spaceship to explore nature. You can go touch the tree. You can taste food. You can hear all the sounds of nature and your surroundings. And you're in this incredible machine, temple, suit, however you want to phrase it. And if you, and what's, what's happening, I think a lot of people they they're they're not happy with their bodies you know they're, they shame themselves and they're getting shamed for how it looks you know this this physical representation is just like just let that go just take care of it get into your body through breathing through meditation mm -hmm. feel what it's like you know that's what um yoga is about i remember doing kriya yoga a long time ago and it just you know going into each uh limb you know like into your pinky and then into your hand and then the forearm and squeezing mm -hmm. the forearm and just getting into the body it's so simple and i think that that's the disconnection between ourselves and our surroundings and our happiness and our anxiety and things like that we're not in our bodies and when you get into your body you start to realize how powerful a being you are that you are fine yeah. that you are connected to nature you are connected to source and in, in all things and you are friggin powerful powerful piece of yeah incredible technology and so yeah. it's just, it's a simple it's a simple shift and, and just it will change the entire game and if you look at society i would say a good 90 percent of people don't know how to they don't go get into their body they don't do any of those practices and they kind of become robotic and machine-like because there are agendas uh, for people like there's people that have businesses and they need you to run them they need workers and you become that worker um rather yeah. than rather than that creator of your reality it's not bad to have a job um it's great to have a job it's great to have work and you're a creator what do you want to create what, what what's exciting you're on this planet what do you want to create and you get a whole lifetime yeah. to figure that out and so um i'll let you comment on that if you'd like if you'd like to and i'd also like to ask mm -hmm. you know how can we sure. bring, how can we bring magic into our lives how can we live a life of magic like what are some what are some things you maybe would recommend like an apprenticing magician to go out and experience life as magic 
Okay. Well, I'll comment on the other thing first, and that's um, I don't think that this dualism, that this this anti-flesh dualism that we that our culture is in, is there by accident. I think it does serve, like you say, it, ser it serves purposes, it serves vested interests to make people more robotic and more controllable. Part of this is something else you touched on, which is that thinking of your body as like something else it's almost like thinking of it as something outside of yourself i mean the very idea that you can think of a term like meat soup makes you think that oh there's a real me and then there's an unreal me which is the body and it's it's if you look at other people walking about or whatever you're looking at their bodies from outside they're feeling them from inside it's a completely different world you're on two you know, you're, you're on two sides of, the, of, of a distorted, not even a distorting mirror, but it's all—it's like a, a portal. The surface of someone's awareness is like a portal outside of that. You're just another body walking around as far as some other human is concerned. But inside of that, like you point out, it's this amazing multidimensional bit of technology. And the idea that I think one of the errors that people get into, the spiritual people get into about classic you know oh, the, the body ah, it's just a meat suit or whatever i think that what they're, they're actually talking about is in a way other people's bodies you know it's like as if we've actually projected the way that other people's bodies look onto our bodies so we think of our body as a thing and it's not a thing at all it's not you know, it's not like a, a glass of water or a, a book or um, a table it's not like that at all it's actually the basis of our moment-to-moment -moment experience and well you know okay it's certainly basis of a good deal of our moment to moment experience um anyway so this does it does serve vested interests for people not to recognize that instead to think of themselves in some restricted societal role such as yeah worker in a particular industry or whatever and happy to identify more or less happy to identify with that and continue being a wage slave i mean that's capitalist society in a militaristic society it would be turning everybody into little soldiers and putting you know ready readying them from the army everybody every society every so-called advanced society anyway a large-scale society has got ways of um, turning people into robots of one sort or another you uh, the, the other thing getting more magic into our lives well Whew, I, how did I do it? There's so many different bits of advice here, and I don't just want to trot out advice that you can find in books, although there's lots and lots of good books, as well as lots of even far more absolute rubbish ones. But, um, okay, the little bit of sort of advice from someone else's book, as it were, that I'll give is I really like Lionel Snell's thoughts about what you know, what is magic. He is all, he writes under various names. Lionel Snell and Ramsey Dukes are the most common. Um, he uh, he's been around for ages. He was one of the first people in the chaos magic current, and he he writes really elegant little philosophical de deconstructions of magic and everyday life. He's got his own YouTube channel, which is great. Um, and he basically says, let's start from the idea that there's four basic tendencies in human thought. One of them is science, one of them is religion, another is art. And normally those are the three ways of thinking that are embedded in culture. And people go, oh, yeah, I recognise all those. But there should be a fourth to recognise the full span of human thinking, and that is magic. So he's got this like quadrant of, you know, four quadrants. He's got this like, you know, this, this fourfold thing going on, which is art science magic and religion now um each of these modes of thought is characteristic so you know science is always trying to prove something by analysis 
um, art is trying to to generate some form of communication which is different from that quite etc etc I'm not going into details but basically magic is a kind of fast intuitive holistic way of viewing things so it's and this is a normal human mental process as Lionel describes in many 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 pages of, of his last book he goes into this in great depth it's just something people do all the time magical thinking it's just that it's not culturally recognized so one thing you can do is simply to recognize when you're thinking magically quite often it's it's oh one good example he gives of the use of magical thinking is in advertising uh, we get all these completely irrational associations are generated in advertising like for instance if you I don't know, buy this car, you'll be sexier or something. And, you know, this is done all through images. And, of course, it's nonsense um, in any logical sense, in any scientific view of it, complete nonsense. But it works because it, it engages people's magical thinking and associating a desired outcome with another symbol, in this case, the car. Um, so it's used all the time in, in human discourse. That's one area. It's to start recognising why you're thinking magically. The way I did it wasn't actually like that. When I first decided to sort of step right into Chapel Perilous and uh, start believing whatever I fancied believing, um, I actually started doing all sorts of minor magical acts just to see if anyone would succeed. And one of the things that was fashionable about around that time, you know, the late seventies in magic, early chaos magic, was sigils. And they're you know still around. You can find loads of online advice about how to do them. But if you take something that you want, and it's really, really, really best to start off with something relatively trivial, but quite unusual, trivial so that you don't get too invested in whether it works or not, um, unusual because then you'll be able to recognise it as an unusual phenomenon, and do a spell to make it happen. Um, the simplest kind of, this very simple kind of spell that got popularised in early chaos magic. It's an approach that was invented by an English artist and magician called Austin Osmond Spare, who died in the 1950s. Absolutely wonderful artist, fabulous stuff. Just look his stuff up online. Lots of his texts are available free and so forth. Um, he basically said, you don't have to use traditional symbolism in magic, you can if you want. But all you have to do is just write down, write it down as an ordinary sentence. This is what I want. Cross out all the repeat letters and then mash all the remaining letters up into a monogram. You know, a single thing that doesn't look like any of the letters particularly and doesn't remind you of anything particularly. It's just a nice monogram. Oh, that looks good. Your subconscious mind will associate that with the desire. But the desire is now stopped bothering you at a conscious level so it can go on that 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 symbol that sigil then as it were sinks down into your subconscious and that's the idea that it it will change your world that something different will happen so you could you could do a spell to i don't know um I don't know, I'm just thinking of something absurd. It depends on your environment. How, you don't want to be too absurd because it's very unlikely to happen. You don't want it to be too common. But let's say something relatively absurd. I'll just think of something off the top of my head. Right, so be given a grapefruit by um, a dark-haired person in the street. I don't know, I mean, that's too specific, perhaps. But you see what I'm getting at here. You see, looking at some unusual experience and seeing if you can make a spell for that to happen it's best like i say if you're not heavily invested in it's no use don't it's probably not a good idea to try your first sigil for i want to get a fantastic new job um or something you know something important like that 
um, but instead something something you know much, you're much less emotionally invested in because if you're heavily emotionally invested in a spell you're doing your mind will keep turning it over turning it over turning it over and your subconscious mind that's really or what you want to think of it as your greater mind that's doing the magic will get confusing signals so it's best to be able to do magic and let go of it and until you're well practiced it's best to do it with things therefore that are not too emotionally you're not too emotionally invested in um so yeah that so that, that'd be a good start sigils and mantras you've probably heard of mantras in the context of um uh indian style meditation mantras like om and so forth but you can make up your own mantras you can um you can again write the sentence down that expresses what you what you want to achieve what you want to happen in your life and um, break it down into syllables and jumble the scramble the syllables around mash it all up and make a little sort of like make a little chant out of it um with the syllables and run so anyway oh and what do you do with each of these things with the mantra just run it practice saying it to yourself and saying it silently inside your head for maybe quite a long time say 10-15 minutes when you're first doing this you'll probably get quicker at it later and certainly do it until it starts to sound absurd and probably loses its meaning but don't go off on fantastic issues about it just try and focus on it and then just let go of it and go and do something else that doesn't remind you of that go and do something make yourself a cup of coffee go and have something to eat so um, play with your phone anything that just you know banishes as it were actually a little banishing ritual at the end go back into normal consciousness uh with a sigil it's pretty much the same just stare at it stare at it until you can close your eyes and it's still kind of burned there in your vision and just visualize it for as long as you can just really try hard to visualize it not because you know not not thinking about what you want just thinking just visualizing the sigil and then at a certain point just let go of it and go and do something to banish and bring yourself down to ordinary life so there's a couple of quick um tips for wannabe magicians Excellent. I love all those. They're, it's interesting because the way that I'm thinking about how effective that is, there's the, if you do all those things, you're connecting a lot of things. So one of them would be the law of attraction. The law of attraction states that whatever I give my attention, energy, and focus to, I get more of. It's just common sense. So you're given lots of attention, energy, and focus. Um, you're also making life fun. You know, you're doing this thing and it, and it can be fun and it can be exciting. You know, again, if you just think about a kid, and they're, and they're creating, whether they create a piece of art or whether they're learning how to do something, life is fun and they're, and they're realizing that they create things. Um, the other thing is you're moving into a creator consciousness. You're realizing that you have an effect on your reality and what you're doing is that you're experimenting with your intention, your desires with spirit, with the universe, and, and you're, you're engaging in this cooperation you're engaging in this uh communication with the universe you're saying hey i'm doing something here and i'm seeing what you're going to give back let's open up this dialogue let's let's yeah. let's experiment with this i'm and because people aren't noticing their realities you know i had uh and and the last thing i'll say writing it down you know it's so simple when i had david lone bear Senapas on the podcast and i spent two weeks with him uh, he's a native elder of the Mi'kmaq Nation, and mm. 
probably the gnarliest human I have ever met ever. <laughs> and we went super intergalactic with, you know, his, his upbringing and his knowledge and his way of life is not even close to a normal humans. You know, he holds okay. all the, all the lineage of the native of that community of, of, I think mm-hmm. he says thousands of years There's oral written history. It's just, it's intense. But anyway, when you, when you communicate with spirit, you got to write it down. Right. And, and the art of communicating with spirit and what I realized in, you know, I would be asking more, right. And really paying attention more and uh, spirit communicates in subtle ways. You know, it'll communicate in, you know, a, you know, a bird like, Oh, look, it's a bald Eagle or, or whatever. You need to learn how to pay attention to your yeah. reality. It's not, you know, this thing where an angel is going to materialize out of the fifth dimension and tell you what to do. It's you start to really pay attention mm-hmm. to your reality. Mm-hmm. And when you notice these energies and you notice these subtle communications you realize that the universe is always communicating with you and what I think that you're really touching on is is opening up a dialogue between you Mm. and spirit you and the universe working together and and people don't have that communication you know it's they're they get into the car that you know the alarm goes off they grab the coffee they get out the door the to-do list is on their mind they go 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 they get to work they complete the tasks they stress out about what happened last week and and about what they got to do for this week you know they get home and you got more stuff to do you maybe get a few minutes of television or something and you repeat the process and so yeah. there's there's no time for this communication and this realization that you are in this magical magical environment and I was talking to my sister yesterday it's like you know when you have a lucid dream that's great you get to explore and fly but life is the most lucid dream <laughs> and you know it's the most lucid dream you can you can go do things you can go you know cliff cliff jumping you can go you know snowboarding you can go climb a tree you can go feel water and you know it's 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 the most lucid it's it's amazing and uh if we can open up you know really just the point to drive home would be open up that communication with spirit you know with with life opening up a dialogue with life i think is what that what those things allow you to do what 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 you're sharing is this fundamental play with life and this communication, this dialogue with spirit. So uh, really amazing stuff. I know that you got to get going and I rambled, so I'll, I'll give it back to you. You can comment on that as much as you'd like. And if there's anything that you wish that I had asked, or you'd like to dive into, you know, the time is yours. So if you want to embellish, go as, go as long as you'd like. Um, just want to be mindful of your time okay. and thank you so much for coming on. Oh, great. You're welcome. Um, yeah, that, the point, I really agree with the point you make there that the best approach to magic is a playful one. Um, if you're absolutely deadly, heavy, serious about it, you not only won't get all the results you're heavily deadly serious about probably you won't get as high rate of success but it won't be any fun anyway um yeah make it fun um which is why um you know back back in a century ago i guess people who were into magic would probably have dressed up in very nice robes and gone to their golden dawn temples and stuff if that is fun for you then do it you know kit out a room or, or hire a room and kit it out temporarily and dress up in all these fabulous costumes and all of that stuff if that's fun for you then absolutely do it if fun for you is is doing your magic while you're doing adventure sports then then go that way if fun for you is is doing your magic by dressing up in a particular way and sitting in a cafe and drawing sigils do it that way you know there's so many so many ways that you can 
enhance enhance your life but yeah keep it playful because that will get better results and even if you don't get the result you expected you'll have more fun in any case yes 100 percent. I, I agree with that you keep it keep it fun i think that the you know um what was it is it alan watts has this really great video and he just talks about life and when you figure it out um and you realize you're gonna die um then life either you know you realize your time is limited and it's either going to be a serious game or it can be a playful one. And he yeah. uses the analogy of, you know, playing through life, you know, going through life, going through that adventure in a, in a playful manner, because mm -hmm. that is a perspective that you get to choose. You, you get to choose that. You get to choose if it's serious. You get to choose if it's somewhere in between. And you get to choose if it's fun. And you'll notice that really the only difference, it's not the external circumstances of people and how they feel yes. and they navigate yeah. live. It's the internal yes. monitoring. And you Definitely. get to control that. And when we're talking about breath work, magic, meditation, what that does is it just invites you into the body, into your multidimensional temple of advanced technology. And from there, you start to get to wire the programming of, okay, I'm, you know, I get to choose how I view life and I can open up this communication with all of life, which I am an advanced part of. And I have tools and technology beyond comprehension and the, and I can work with this spirit. I can work with this and I create my, you always create your reality, whatever it is, you're creating it and you have the power to create something else. And, and I'll just share kind of the idea of like, think about things in 10 years. If you're at a job and you know, you like your job and you'd like to improve your life, just give yourself 10 years. Don't make it a year. What could you do in 10 years with a little bit of action each and every day? And it's that commitment towards the action, you know, just start with a yeah. better idea. Um, so, you know, or something that fulfills you a little bit more, right. And, and make it fun and make it playful because it's a slow, long game day to day to day, not instant. Right. Yes, I think yeah, absolutely. We're, we're conditioned to want that instant thing. You yeah. know, okay. I do the spell and it happens right away. No play with it. Let it go. You know, mm -hmm. what, what other magic is there for you to experience today? And because we're kind of looking for that carrot at the end of the stick, we're forgetting all of the magic that's right around us each and every moment by interacting with our community, by learning to pay attention to nature and our surroundings, but really understanding the lens of our perspective, which is our choice. You know, money doesn't make you happy. Other th I know people that have nothing, like nothing, and they're happy. You know, mm -hmm. and I know people who have way too much, well, no, I don't know, just an <laughs> extraordinary amount, and they're not happy. It's, it's not the gauge. Um, so we want security and things like that, and we can create that. So um, I'll leave I'll leave that rant and just give it back to you uh, again for if there's anything that you want to leave the okay. listeners with, if there's anything that you want to rant about before we close out, and just where where people can find uh, more about your work and what you're what you're offering. Okay, well, there's one more topic I'd like to bring up before we finish is um, that basically I don't want. Yeah, sometimes when back, well, back, back in the day before I was kind of actively into magic and I'd sometimes hear people talking in or read books that seem to be very enthusiastic and positive about where you could go with your life. And I never felt that it was necessarily as easy as some people made it sound. So I, I want to just make the point that um, this, this might sound easier than it is in some respects and to to explain what i mean by that um the kind of connected breath work that i i coach i got into that because of my emotional problems one of the great 
coaches and theorists of connected breathwork is Stanislav Grof, who invented, him and his wife invented holotropic breathwork. And he's written some superb books and not, don't tell you how to do the technique, but there's some very interesting points about spiritual development and visionary states in there. And um, one of the things he points out again and again is that if people, it's not always easy for people to get into what he calls transpersonal states, in other words, states beyond the personality and higher states of consciousness, more inclusive states of consciousness. It's not always easy for people to get into transpersonal states. And sometimes when they kind of do so either through holotropic breathwork or through taking psychedelic medicines, which was he, he was the he was the great experimenter on LSD in the, in the mid fifties in Czechoslovakia, and um, then they quite often collide with their bummers, with their dark side, and there's a re it basically it's sometimes difficult to break out of the roles we play there's the reality of our life which is what you've just been expressing that it's a magical continuum and at the core we are pure consciousness all of this good stuff but a lot of the time in our everyday life in our existence if you like um there are things which stop us from participating in that bliss and that wonder and those things are our roles sometimes they're societal roles like we've just been talking about being a good worker or whatever but sometimes they're um the personal roles that you and everybody's got these they've got them from their family and they've got them from early interactions in childhood they've got some twisted ideas of what reality is what life is and what, what life should be like and those quite often you're not particularly conscious of those and so i think if you're going to go on a full-scale spiritual or magical path at some point you will have to deal with this demonic side of your own nature um, this dark side of your own nature which tries to pull you back like a, a gravity well into these limited and tragic roles that you play out play out play out again and again and again never getting what you want and we're all doing this to some extent and of course magic and higher consciousness that's all about stepping out of that into the reality that the universe is much 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 better than that but i think people still have a lot of people still have trouble crossing through that that zone to get to the other side as it were and that is why breathwork was central for me in this it's why it was central for a lot of groffs people and it it kind of it, it makes two sides of the spiritual or magical path hang together for me both that ecstatic bliss that just happens in real time and has got no particular reason because it's the nature of things and on the other side that needing to deal with some very dark stuff from one's from one's past traumatized issues and things like that so i think um there's always that other side to the magical path so just in case anybody who knows that already is thinking well this guy just ignores all that stuff i would i would like to make it quite plain that i'm i'm speaking as one who knows both sides of that path and that, it, that it's important to to both work on your emotionally stultified areas as well as to pursue actively your higher consciousness because they are ultimately completely and totally linked yeah yeah brother i 100 percent agree and i really like the point that you made that it's it's not easy and it's not instant it takes time it's a process and really 
you know, it makes me think of enlightenment, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You're just, you're navigating life with just a different perspective is really all it is. And, but this perspective allows with more freedom, more growth, more learning and more awareness. And with part of that awareness, it is, you you know, they'll say the shadow work or or the things and um, you know, the things about us that we don't like, or the things that we're ashamed of. And, and, um, I'm going to have Robert Grant come on, who's this just brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, he has a course called The Etymology of Number on the Resonance Science Foundation. And the last one is The Mirror of Consciousness. And he just shares that it's not so much that uh, we do things, you know, like the bad things, like maybe we have a bad thought, angry, or we do something um, that's we deem negative it's the shame and the guilt and everything that goes with it that we don't accept Mm -hmm. and so it's just like if you can just accept all parts of yourself accept that you get angry accept that you feel ashamed accept that the thing that you did created this feeling because then Mm -hmm. you can you can change it and you can alchemize it and it'll be become a gift if you're if you have the courage to go through that because that is also a part of you it's it's just accepting all parts of you not just the pretty things you know accepting yeah. when you 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 mess up you make a fool of yourself you're embarrassed you know you're not perfect we we're just learning and so it's really that deep acceptance and that's that's a challenging path it is not easy it's simple but we're just navigating life with a little bit of a different lens and we're we're doing our best so uh, I think that's a really, really beautiful sure, point. Yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying that that's that's it. I, I, I agree. I think we've we've covered that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, what I wanted to, you know, if there's anything else that um, you want to share or anything you want to leave the listeners with, and just make sure that you know you you put your website in there, they can get a hold of you. But anything you want to close out with is a really. Uh, I think after the technical difficulties, man, we really got into some just beautiful points there. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation, and um, yeah, I've enjoyed that, it too. It's been good. Yeah. Um, so, anything you want to leave the listeners with, and where can they where sure. can they find more about you? Well, I think most of I mean the, the central place to go to for me is my website, which is uh, www.kotopia c h a o t o p i a dot com um kotopia.com and on there you'll find a list of all you'll, you'll find some details about all i've got about i think eight books in print at the moment um some of my books on breath work on incenses on um this latest one life force about breath work and energy a book about um uh, chaos magic seen from the point of view of mysticism and higher consciousness which i wrote some while ago and um, and a book about the northern mysteries the the runes and things like that and you know a couple of novels so that's all on there um you can find me on twitter uh you can find me uh, dave leal probably find me on twitter or d-l-e-e-a-h-p um and yeah um, I'm not very active on Facebook. I mean, you can friend me if you want, but I don't mind. But I don't do much on Facebook. Um, so, uh, which is probably, which is probably like ahead of the curve. I mean, I'll probably be dead in another couple of, you know, another another year. once <laughs> the way that Zuckerberg's going. But um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's how you can find me if you want to. And oh yeah, I've got, from there you will also. Ah, actually, I wonder if I have put. Uh, I redid the website and I'm wondering whether I've re-put in the link for my um, 
YouTube channel. Oh, there's certainly some links to my YouTube channel somewhere on the website. It might be under my fiction. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's it, really. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes for the podcast and, and I'll put them on YouTube as well. Um, so and yeah, make sure on your website, you got a link to the YouTube as well so people can find right. you. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for exploring the world of magic and uh, kind of spreading a magical perspective around. So I uh, just appreciate you and your work and uh, it was a pleasure having you on. It's been a pleasure doing this. You're welcome. Cheers, Mark. Cheers. Take care. Thanks guys for listening. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that amazing episode with David Lee. We, we get into breath pattern. We kind of get into religion. We get into psychedelics. We get into all of it. So uh, I appreciate you guys coming along this ride. If you want to support the podcast, you can do a bunch of free stuff like leaving a review in iTunes is helpful. Um, time coding your aha moments, sharing episodes in your Facebook, share every single episode. Um, I just join Steemit. You can go over to Steemit, which is a cryptocurrency blog. I had people keep telling me to do that. So if you're on Steemit, you can support me over there. Um, but shares and reviews and, uh, and sharing the aha moments of the podcast are all super great and appreciated. And beyond that, you can help out on Patreon if that's something you're inspired to do. Um, it really helps me kind of travel and get to where I need to be as a uh, yeah, fully committed to this journey. Let's just say it that way. And um, for those of you guys who want coaching, hit me up if you're serious about diving deep, if you want to learn about Zen, the law of attraction, consciousness. Um, the coaching isn't what you think it is, um, but it, it's important. It gets to a mindset of, of really peak performance, and that's really about taking stress out of the body. And if you work for a corporation or a group and you want to learn this within a group setting or tag me into your book group or any of that kind of thing, let me know because there's all different kinds of ways that we can get connected one-on-one. So just make an inquiry on the website and I love seeing your beautiful smiley faces. So I am accessible and you just need to reach out and we'll, we'll work it out. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So just want to thank you, uh, send you tons of love and gratitude. And as we close this thing out, um, let's just come to another powerful state of peace and love and coherence and send that out to the universe. So wherever you are, just taking a deep breath in through your nose, connecting to that life force energy that connects all of us, all beings on the planet, holding in that energy, connecting with source, divine nature, and your own divine nature within, seeing beautiful, powerful, golden crystal light coming down from the universe and pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber as you let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking another deep breath in through the nose and just connect with the creator being, realizing that you are worthy, that you have every right to be here and feel comfortable on the planet, no matter what any other being, mammal, bird, human thinks, that you are a divine being here with every right to do as you wish on this planet and to connect with love and harmony and peace and kindness for yourself. And just let that breath out slowly with every limitation, every self-doubt, every self-criticism. Taking one more deep breath in through your nose. Connecting to this powerful life force energy. To your connection with the divine that is within you and it is in within all beings. And if beings are not being kind or compassionate, it's because they're lost. And it just shows that your strength comes from within. And nobody can t- take that divine nature, that divine connection of what you are away. 
And I want you to send out love and compassion and forgiveness to all beings, just connecting to your empowered state. And I'm sending you all of my love, my support, my energy, if you're hearing this, all of my energy, and knowing that you are worthy, whole, complete, perfect, just as you are, that you are a powerful being of light, a creator worthy of being on this planet and you have the power to change the planet change your own world which will change the world for the people who observe you in your community and that is enough you are enough as you are so thank you so much for being here i look forward to seeing you in the next episode